the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. President Biden's document scandal receives growing scrutiny, including scrutiny on the timing. Senator Tom Cotton. When it was first discovered, space was a midterm and a transparent effort to avoid political consequences in that election. We've all heard about the documents housed in Joe Biden's garage. What about the others? They were housed at his so-called think tank at University of Pennsylvania, which, oh, by the way, just so happens to be a Chinese uh, flush fund. We'll look at the debt limit showdown with Ken Buck of Colorado. At some point, the American public says enough is enough. And Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana throws his hat into the ring for Indiana's Senate seat. But we know that that American dream is under a threat more than ever before. All this and more. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Great to be with you. Catch my program each weekday morning live, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time and on demand 24-7. Learn more at HughHewitt.com. And follow me, please, on Twitter at Hugh Hewitt. Follow the program as well at Town Hall Review. We'll start with President Biden and his administration's document scandal. It's a scandal that is not going away anytime soon. Attorney General Merrick Garland has appointed Robert Herr, a former federal prosecutor in Maryland, to become a special counsel investigating President Biden. I turn to Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton. I know that you and Secretary Pompeo, when you were in Congress uh, in the House, made a trip to Geneva and discovered that there were secret protocols to the Iranian deal. Do you think that maybe in the Biden documents there's something about Iran? <laughs> Actually, it was a trip to Vienna, Hugh. And Vienna, I that's it. If anyone else, we didn't go there and you're trying to dig it up. Uh, they revealed it to us, though, and it became a source of major controversy. It showed the duplicity with which the Obama-Biden team had approached negotiations with Iran. Um, I, I don't know what are in the Biden documents, Hugh. I mean, they could be about Iran and China and Russia, maybe things that Joe Biden wanted to write about in his memoirs and inappropriately took classified papers. Maybe it's, paper, maybe it's things related to Hunter Biden's international grifting uh, that he wanted to try to conceal from posterity. Uh, That's one reason it's so important that we have a full assessment of what was in those papers, that at a minimum, the intelligence committees in the House and the Senate be briefed on the contents uh, of those papers. And we get a lot more uh, transparency than we've had from the uh, Biden White House thus far, which, of course, concealed this when it was first discovered just days before the midterm in a transparent effort to avoid political consequences in that election and who apparently continue to have their private attorney searching through these papers as opposed to the FBI agents who raided Mar-a-Lago when Donald Trump was in a similar situation. Yeah, I understand. Well, I don't understand a lot. I'm going to play a clip. Brett Baer had Mar Eliason and uh, Harold Ford Jr. and myself on last night. We spent most of the panel talking about GarageGate. And my cut number seven is my second hit on this. And I want, want your reaction to this because I don't know what the origin story is, but I brought it up last night. Can we play Senator Cotton Cut 7, please? Last word on this. I want to turn topics. 
We need to know the precipitating event, Brett. What, is there a grand jury that's asking for these documents? Why did the uh, Penn-Biden uh, Center begin the search? Why were lawyers involved? Normally, when you're moving documents, it's, it's not the stuff that lawyers do because they cost too much money. Did the grand jury put in a document request? There is a grand jury investigating Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's attorney has admitted to that publicly. I'd like to know the events before November 4, and I hope the Republicans dig deep into the precipitating events for these searches and why lawyers for the president are present looking for the documents without security classifications, but Donald Trump's home had to be uh, raided by the FBI. I also want to contrast that, Senator Cotton, with uh, Secretary Clinton, also a presidential candidate, when her server was seized, it went to her lawyers and they deleted half the emails. But tell me, why do you think there are two different approaches? Is this just naked politics? Well, I think, you that's pretty obviously the reason is that Donald Trump has an R after his name, Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden have Ds after their name. Uh, again, it's hard to generalize about these things unless you know the actual content and the re- of these documents, the reasons they were uh, removed. It is apparently a very common fact uh, that when presidents and vice presidents leave office, um, that some of these documents can find their way inadvertently into boxes. Uh, it may have happened with Joe Biden. It may have happened with Donald Trump. It happened with presidents before them. Yes, we need to get insight on the precipitating event here. The double standard we see unfolding has been maddening to many who watched the unprecedented raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and said, What? Seth Liebson turned to author and columnist Brandon Weikert. It is serious in certain respects, and I think we're missing the ball in others, but I'd, I'd love your take on where we are now. And how damaging will it be to his president? Yeah, well, first of all, he does have a beautiful Corvette. Yeah, that car sure. is, yeah. uh, is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, as beautiful and pristine as that vehicle is, that is not a safe place for classified documents. Um, and, uh, I think, I think Roger Kimball called it the Corvette standard. Mm-hmm. Um, it might've been, and maybe it was, I don't, I think it was him who said that at AG. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that this is both the most obscene, uh, flagrant abuse that we've seen in the, you know, just a few months ago, the FBI literally raided Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. over this same issue. Um, so it's very obscene in that way, the double standard and the hypocrisy, um, but it is, as you noted, it's also kind of goofy that this is what we're reduced to getting angry about. The fact that it's a seven it's day definitely... story now. I mean, this has been headlines yeah. for seven days. Yeah, it's going to be longer than McCarthy's yeah. speaker battle yeah. at this rate. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's and it's not going to end because what's going to happen, I, I'm predicting, is they're going to find that there's a lot more going on here. Um, and so on the one hand, it is kind of petty and silly. Uh, it's too bad we're not talking about the fact that Biden closed the FBI's China uh, initiative, for instance. We're not talking about some of the, I think, the bigger kind of big ticket item things. But ultimately, um, this is indicative of a big problem that the Democrats have, which is that their whole kind of party um, platform since 2016 has been never Trump. Yeah. Orange man, always bad, yeah. um, no matter what. Look well, how careless he have, is. Yeah, right. Right. Now here we have the, the, the standard bearer, for better or worse, probably worse, of the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, um, replicating the exact same behavior that not only Donald Trump was accused of having you know, engaged in, uh, but also, by the way, that Hillary Clinton was engaged yeah. in. Yeah. Um, and so we do, you know, we... 
if we were living in a sane world, Trump would have never been raided for this, and this would be a non-issue for Biden. Right. But because Biden escalated he on the eve of the election in 2022, purposely escalated uh, this thing in Mar-a-Lago, this absolutely now is a controversy. It should be, especially when you consider that many of those documents, they weren't housed at his personal property. They were housed at his so-called think tank at University of Pennsylvania, which, oh, by the way, just so happens to be a Chinese uh, slush fund. I was talking with Pete Peterson about this on Friday. He's over at Pepperdine, and he was just gobsmacked. You know, he's in the school and university fundraising business, of course, and he was gobsmacked by how much money from China was flowing into the Biden Center at Penn. That's a that's the story we're missing. What uh, he said, the amount of money they raised from China in four years. Oh, it's cartoonish. It, it, it's he said that amount of money is basically some major college's entire endowments yeah, built up over decades. Sure. Oh, he's 100 percent correct. And you have to wonder just what the heck were they hoping to get? You know, we go back to the Clinton Global Initiative, right? You know, they look at all the money that the world's great nations gave to the CGI in the run-up to the 2016 campaign. They were clearly hoping to curry favor with who they thought was going to be the next president of the United States. Um, You know, this is the same thing going on with the Biden syndicate, except um, we have a very clear line between America's number one geopolitical foe, China, and now the current president of the United yep. States and his entire family, yeah. including extended relatives, his brother. Tony you know, Blinken, his, by the way, by the way, was the executive director right, of the center for a while right, as well. Right. right. Which is which is why you just have to ask yourself whenever the Biden administration, Tony Blinken in particular, comes out and wags the finger at China. How serious does Beijing really think this is? Right. Is this they, they're probably assuming we've already bought and paid for these people. This is just all for show for domestic political consumption. Well, now this story about classified documents and who had access and the fact that there was no real catalog of who was accessing this information uh, for the last six years, that now is going to, I think, bring the attention, I hope, to the American people that there's something more going on here. And I do you know not what? buy if the they... story that they don't have visitor logs. I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying oh, right. the story they don't have well, visitor logs. Well, maybe they logs. don't for a reason. Maybe they didn't or for Or they a don't for a reason. Okay. Right. And and the fact Plausible that deniability, if... they used to call them. Right. Yes. And and they, better to feign ignorance. Right. Oops, I should have had that yeah. rather than have, actually yeah. have it. Yeah. But another, another thing is if they could go after Trump for having a Miss Universe pageant in 2013 in Russia right. as being indicative of him being a Russian spy. Yes, that's right. Uh, that's right. Then, then the exact same standard now has to be applied to Biden, where there's an even clearer cut example of impropriety on his part. And now there needs to be a special investigation uh, launched, just like there was with Mueller into Russia and Trump. There now needs to be at least the same amount of, of investigatory powers granted to an independent investigator uh, to go after Biden for any imp- you know impropriety uh, related to, to China. Now is the time. I hate to say this because it seems petty, but I'm actually starting to think there's something more here. Yeah. Uh, and we need to investigate. And this should lead to, as my congressman Byron Donalds has said at, on Joy Reid's show, this needs to lead to some kind of impeachment proceeding because it, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If they could go after Trump for far less, we're going to go after him uh, uh, for, for even more.
what explains to you the sudden interest in something that uh, by the media that never used to get their Irish up? That is to say the double standard. It is a little bit interesting how much they have sunk their teeth into this. I don't know if yeah. it's because they feel Karen Jean-Pierre has lied to them. They hate being lied to. I, there's something different about this. They only hate being lied to when it's a Republican. Okay. Okay. They don't, they don't All right. So there, you agree Remember, something different is going yeah, on here. No, I think, and I think you, you've pointed this out. I think other people have pointed this out. And I think I, I also have pointed this out in the last week. I think Victor Davis Hanson did as well, is that there is a possibility that the so-called deep state has decided to turn on Joe Biden two years before his next election uh, because they don't want to have this this old, doddering, compromised individual uh, uh, running against what could be either Donald Trump, who will have a degree of popularity among a certain base of voter that will make him very competitive, or Ron DeSantis, who I think has a widespread appeal. Yeah. So they're looking to remove Biden, I think, prematurely, so that uh, they can put someone else, whether I don't know if it would be Kamala, it might very well be someone like Gavin Newsom. But newsflash, Biden is actually, in his defense, the only Democrat that has proven able no. to consistently beat the Republicans yeah, That's a fair point. Trump. Coming up. At some point, the American public says enough is enough. When the Town Hall Review returns in a moment. Celebrating our 25th anniversary, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy invites you to learn from one of our beloved teachers, Dr. Gordon Lloyd, in a four-part webinar series titled The Roots of Political Economy, Capitalism versus Socialism. This free video series teaches foundational principles of free markets, as well as the philosophers behind socialism. Find out more at go.pepperdine.edu slash capitalism. That's go.pepperdine.edu slash capitalism. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. The nation has once again maxed out our credit card, or nearly so. It is a regularly recurring moment of American political kabuki when Congress and the President must agree to raise the nation's borrowing limit. But it's an early test for the new House majority and Speaker McCarthy. Some of the Freedom Caucus members that delayed McCarthy's speakership were motivated by personal animus against Kevin McCarthy, but a few had their eye on our nation's runaway debt including Ken Buck, representing Colorado's 4th Congressional District. Buck joined George Brockler on Salem's AM710 KNUS in Denver. Talk to us about, one, your motivation for writing this, and what does it tell us? George, uh, my motivation for writing is real simple. Uh, we are living in a country that depends on the free flow of information so that uh, people can make good decisions. And we now have four companies who are controlling the flow of information. It affects the outcome of elections. It affects consumer choices. And it is absolutely uh, something that Americans should be terrified about. And the book details not only the challenges in the business marketplace, but also the challenges in the marketplace of ideas. And these companies are run by woke liberals from uh, uh, California, from Silicon Valley. And they discriminate against conservatives every chance they get, and they crush their business competition. We can't allow these monopolies to continue. We have to create competition in the marketplace, foster competition in the marketplace, so that we have uh, uh, options. 
Let me shift gears real quickly here and try to get um, get to the, something called the debt ceiling. Now, it is everywhere on media all the time. What What's going on and what should Republicans be doing? Well, uh, the, the, the Democrats would like to do away with the debt ceiling. They just want a, a blank check and, and spend forever without any kind of accountability. Uh, Republicans can use this opportunity uh, to make sure that we put uh, spending controls in place by not passing a debt ceiling until we've got those controls. So uh, Obama thought it was a big joke. He said, well, go ahead. You know, you you guys will never do this, but you can cap spending if you want. And sure enough, um, the deadline passed and we had budget caps in place uh, for four or five years and controlled uh, spending much better during that time period than we have in the last five or six years. And so uh, the the trade-off should be a vote for a debt suit increase if there is uh, a budget cap deal uh, that's that's in place. You see the Democrats going for that? And I, I, already the White House has dug its heels in and said, no negotiation ever. Right, right. Well, um, what what's going to happen is we're going to end up in a fight and uh, we will have a, a, a government uh, shutdown. We won't have a default. No, nobody thinks that's a serious issue, but uh, we will have a government shutdown. And at that point, the media will start blaming Republicans. Of course. And, and we'll just see what the American people think. If they want to continue spending ourselves into oblivion, then, then that's where we'll end up going. That's the concern I have, or the optics just seem to be easier for the Dems to say, you're going to cause people to lose their homes. You're going to cut back on social safety. Whatever their narrative is that's meant to you know, really motivate those who are most dependent upon government for these checks. And the Republican response, which is a good one in my mind, which is, listen, we're at 30 kajillion dollars in debt. There is no more room for us to continue to grow debt without taking some serious um, fiscal restraint. How do we win that? Well, you know, we, we win because at some point Americans say enough inflation. We know why there's inflation, because there's government, uh, federal government pouring money into the economy and uh, prices are going up. At what point in time do people say, I'm not paying $8 for eggs you know, yeah, I, I'm not I, I can't afford uh, the, the gas at the pump during the summertime because of uh, these crazy uh, uh, energy policies and inflation uh, that we're facing. At some point, the American public says enough is enough. And we get to uh, a, a reasonable uh, increase in spending every year. We can survive with a two or three percent increase in spending because our GDP grows by that much. We can't survive with a 10, 15 percent uh, increase in spending every year. Now, you more than any other congressman I am aware of has been since the very beginning very, very tough on any uh, increased expenditures and on any and growing the budget at all. And I just know that from some of the conversations we've had on things like support for APAC and other things like that. You are very, very fiscally conservative. But what do you say to those who say Congress already agreed to this amount of debt? Why are we now saying we may balk at it? They already budgeted this or at least um, voted for it. How do we then say, yeah, we change our mind? No. So what happens is we have a debt ceiling and uh, we've reached that debt ceiling. And now the administration comes to Congress and says, we want you to raise the debt ceiling. We want another, um, you know, three trillion dollars added on to our national debt. And Congress has to approve that before they can spend and, and here's the problem with rising interest rates. It costs us more to service our debt. 
at some point, uh, the, the service on our debt is going to be greater than our national defense budget. Uh, we, 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 people don't realize uh, this is a spiral that, that's going downward. And, you know, Greece had Germany to bail them out. No one bails out the U.S. when, no. when we go yeah. down the tube. Best guess as to how and when this resolves. Just a guess. Um, you, you know, everything in, in uh, Washington, D.C. happens when there's a gun to someone's head. And yeah. uh, my guess is that um, about four weeks after uh, the Biden administration has declared the United States to be in default, which is a horrible declaration that they'll do for political reasons, uh, we will end up with some kind of agreement. Indiana Congressman Jim Banks will be part of the House majority navigating this early challenge for the new Congress. Banks has long been a figure to watch within the GOP. He was chair of the largest caucus within the House Republicans, the Republican Study Committee. And Banks just announced he's running to represent the Hoosier State in the United States Senate in 2014, with a seat made vacant by the retirement of Senator Braun, who is running for Indiana governor. Congressman Banks was a guest on my program. Tell us why you're doing this. And I, I just feel like uh, we need a new generation of conservative leaders in the Senate uh, to, to focus on the threats that we face, the, the China threat, uh, the, the national security threats of our time. Uh, most importantly, um, I've been on the, a leader on the Armed Services Committee in the House the past six years and want to go to the Senate and serve with a strong uh, national security conservatives like Tom Cotton and others to focus on those threats. The national debt, uh, $32 trillion. I have three daughters, 13 11 and 9, and I'm, I'm concerned about what that debt is going to mean to their generation and their ability to pursue the American dream. But we know that that American dream is under a threat more than ever before. And then the, 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 woke, the wokeness and the, the cultural issues of our time uh, from, from uh, girls' sports and boys playing in girls' sports to anti-Americanism being advanced in our schools and pushing our troops, we need to raise up a patriotic generation and the next generation of Americans not teach them that America is anything but the greatest country in the history of the world. My last point for people to know, you ran the RSC. Why does that matter to conservative Jim Banks? Well, the Republican Study Committee is the largest conservative caucus, about two thirds of Republicans in the House. And I took a, a unique approach uh, when I took it over uh, a couple of years ago and just really felt like Republicans needed to figure out who we are, what do we stand for, what is our agenda. I believe we're a stronger party when we marry the conservative uh, three-legged stool of the party of Ronald Reagan with some of the populist, uh, the best parts of the, the, the Trump agenda, like holding China accountable, like a focus on securing our border. Coming up. So a happy, healthy society that is family-based is anathema to the left. When the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, Charlie Kirk here. We've been working very hard on an amazing new docu-series called Border Battle. It chronicles the horrifying conditions on America's southern border. What you are going to see in Border Battle will blow your mind. It's amazing. First-hand interviews, incredible commentary, straight up on the front lines. We've worked very hard on this from Turning Point USA, and we are exposing the border crisis. Available exclusively on SalemNow.com. Produced by Turning Point USA. Available at SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with our sponsor, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Quote, 
Unmarried women without children have been moving toward the Democratic Party for several years, but the 2022 midterms have been their electoral coming out party as they provided the chief break on the predicted Republican wave. Close quote. That sentence comes from a piece by Joel Kotkin and Sam Abrams at Real Clear Investigation. The title of the piece, The Rise of the Single Woke and Young Democratic Female. The article caught the attention of my friend, Dennis Prager. Writing in Britain's Guardian newspaper, columnist Emma John observed that, quote, singleness is no longer to be sneered at. Never marrying or taking a long-term partner's partner is increasingly seen as a valid choice. That's right. Couldn't agree with that left-wing woman more. It is increasingly seen as a valid choice. Not in religious life, in secular life. Attitudes are what most distinguish single women from other voters. An American Enterprise Institute survey showed that married men and women are far more likely than unmarried females to think women are well-treated or equally treated. That's important. That's important. Yes. Married men and women are far more likely than unmarried females to think women are well-treated or equally treated. Now, how? why would that be? Married women are not treated differently than unmarried women. You're not even allowed to ask when you hire a woman or a man, are you married? So how, how could that be? And the answer is, far more unmarried women are miserable and they blame their misery on America, on society. I'm maltreated because I'm a female. Whereas the happier married woman doesn't think she's maltreated. The the single adult woman block is now 42 million people. The black voting block is 46 million, so you have 88 million blacks and single women. And I assume that a certain number of those blacks are single women, so there is obviously uh, some inclusion of one group in the other, but that's a lot of people. A lot of guaranteed votes. That's why it is essential for the survival of the left in America to keep blacks believing that they're hated and to uh, keep cultivating singlehood as every bit as wonderful, if not even more wonderful, than marriage. And if you get married, not having children is as wonderful, if not more wonderful, than having children. It went on to show that men are far more likely than women to be on dating in the dating market. That's a switch maybe the first time in history. But it is an interesting question. Do more 30-year-old single men want to get married than 30-year-old single women? That would be the implication of that statistic, but I don't, I don't know if that's true. Who, what percentage of single women 30 want to get married versus what percentage of single men 30 want to get married? I don't know the answer. Be very curious, however, if, if I don't even know if the answer is available to us. Anyway, the, the more that a woman uh, is like, in other words, the more women who are married and the more married women with children, the more 
the left is out of power. So a happy, healthy society that is family-based is the is anathema to the left. It's another example of the pathology that is at the heart of leftism. Attitudes are what most distinguish single women from other voters. An American Enterprise Institute survey shows that married men and married women are far more likely than unmarried females to think women are well treated or equally treated. I read that was the last thing I read to you. Amazing, no? Married women are far more likely to think that women are treated fairly in this society than single women are. The reason is not provided here. I will give it to you. The single woman, if she is unhappy, and many are, not every single one, but many are, will not blame it on singlehood. She will blame it on America being sexist, patriarchal. Get it? Whereas the relatively happily married woman will think, I'm lucky to live in such a free society. Yes, if you think you're lucky, you vote Republican. If you think you're unlucky, you vote Democrat. Coming up, nationalism, patriotism, and the nation's founding. The Federalist Party, Washington's party, wrote the Constitution and was responsible for creating one nation out of the 13 colonies. They're clearly nationalist conservatives. When the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Celebrating our 25th anniversary, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy invites you to learn from one of our beloved teachers, Dr. Gordon Lloyd, in a four-part webinar series titled The Roots of Political Economy, Capitalism versus Socialism. This free video series teaches foundational principles of free markets, as well as the philosophers behind socialism. Find out more at go.pepperdine.edu slash capitalism. That's go.pepperdine.edu slash capitalism. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review. When you watch what has been unfolding on our southern border over the first two years under President Biden, the person who really believed the left when they said they wanted open borders certainly now has evidence pointing in that direction. But borders are a necessary piece, a basic structure of the modern-day nation-state. And our next guest argues borders, national identity, and nationalism are not the things we should shrink from. Yaron Hazani is the author of The Virtue of Nationalism, and most recently, Conservatism, A Rediscovery. Hazani was a guest of Charlie Kirk. First, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, and we can go from there. So I'm the chairman of an outfit called the Edmund Burke Foundation. It's about national independence. It's about rediscovering God and national traditions. Yes. And bringing these things into your personal life. But let's start with one of those, reasserting or reestablishing national independence One of the arguments that I was making in the first hour is that there is such a push towards globalism. There's a push towards kind of forced coercion of the nations. And in some ways, they use, I think, a misapplication of the teaching of World War II to justify that. What are your thoughts on that? Look, World War II, World War I, I mean, these are incredibly traumatic experiences for Europe and and for America, for other countries as well. And uh, in the wake of the two world wars, there's, there, there is this big push, uh, both by Marxists and by liberals, to say, you know, the, what caused this is the inheritance of the past. What caused this is 
religion and yes. traditional ideologies and especially the nation, you know, because Hitler called himself a, na a nationalist. He wasn't anything of the sort. He was a biological imperialist, but, yes. but he twisted and used the word nationalist. And that became a platform for both liberals and Marxists to say, look, here's the proof. Independent nations are evil. I mean, don't make a mistake about this. Hitler writes explicitly in, in Mein Kampf about Mein Kampf about what he thinks about independent nations. He's against them. He's completely against the idea of independent nations. They, an independent nation for him is, you know, it's it's this kind of a Jewish Christian concoction where different nations get their freedom. And Hitler says, no, uh, if you know, we we the Germans, we're going to be. Uh, Germany's going to be the mistress of the globe. We're going to be the lords of the earth. And so there aren't going to be any independent nations. And so it, it's bizarre that after after the Second World War, we get all of these very well-intentioned, well-meaning liberals who say, yeah, it's national independence that caused yes. the Holocaust. And that is kind of the shadow that is cascading over our politics now. Yeah. It intensifies uh, until it reaches a kind of a I would say crescendo with the fall of the Berlin Wall. After the after the fall of the Berlin Berlin Wall, you get this euphoric, you know, kind of utopianism. Both Democrats and Republicans, Labour and the Tories, start you know across Europe, all the major political parties start talking about the new world order, what George H. W. Bush calls the new yes. world order, and he says for a hundred generations, mankind has struggled to to try to replace the the law of the jungle with the rule of law and what he means by the rule of law is a single legal system that's going to wrap the entire globe and america is going to be the policeman of the world so i can't help but ask now your opinion as a religious jew about how that ties into because we've actually been walking through together a little informally as i'm going through the study myself of the first 11 books of genesis which i find to be you know, so profound and beautiful, how the, the, the teaching of the city of Babel, how that ties into some of these globalist aims and ambitions. And I use the word city because we call the Tower of Babel, but really they wanted to build a city. The tower is just one component of that. Right. So the Tower of Babel story is kind of the, the opening shot in a theme that you have throughout, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Hebrew Bible. And this theme is that human beings want to solve all the world's problems, okay? And no, seriously, uh, the, you know, Pharaoh, we think of Pharaoh as such a bad guy as the, you know, the Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, the Persian Empire, but, you know, they didn't think they were the bad guys. In their mind, no, seriously, they thought— Well, no, but that's Aristotle's opening line. Every art, every inquiry points towards some good. Everyone thinks they're doing right, good. Right, right. The, the, they think they're good. And the, the, when, 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 you, when you dig up their clay tablets, there's always some god that's sending you know, the, the, the king of Egypt or Babylonia or, or Assyria to conquer the four corners of the earth. And, and why? The, there's an ideology to it. The ideology is bring peace and prosperity, eliminate warfare, conquer everybody, and just bring peace and prosperity. And the, the Bible is a rebellion against this. Moses and the prophets say, no, this is evil. You can't decide that you're yes. going to impose your, your view on, the, on all people. So think about this. Moses, he's talking to God, creator of, of heaven and earth. Why doesn't God tell him to go conquer the four corners of the earth? He's, he's got the law for all nations. He's got, you know, he's got a direct pipeline to God. And God tells him, no, you've got borders. 
right? The God of Israel is the first God in the ancient world to give borders to his people. You're not allowed to cross them. In Deuteronomy, it says that you're not going to take an inch of the neighbor's territories because they have their own freedom and their own, their own path to God. This is the, the beginning of the idea of the independent nation. Israel and then Armenia become ancient, these ancient Middle Eastern peoples, they become independent nations that are against universal empire. And the whole history of the West is this seesaw between, you know, and Americans have this too. Are we the Roman Empire? Is our job to conquer the whole world and bring peace and prosperity? Or are we a nation in the image of scripture, like, like biblical Israel, yes. with, with our own destiny? What, what, what do the founders believe? Well, that debate exists among the founders. You, you know this story that uh, uh, when Jefferson and Franklin and their committee were, were designing the seal for the— they're yep. proposing. Right? There's so, going to be the Jews from Egypt, right? And they so, got so, denied. It's, right, it's a right, beautiful story. Right. Well, so one Jefferson, the secularist, which right, he wasn't. Right. But. Right. So one one theory was this is America is about freedom from empire. Yes. So where does that story come from? Let's let's ha let's put the Jews crossing the Red Sea into the, into the Promised Land on the seal of the United States. So that didn't happen, and they chose the uh, the eagle, which of course you know that's a Roman imperial symbol. It's a symbol of freedom, but it's a completely different kind of freedom. So the seesaw is there, but I don't, I don't think you can miss in the American founding the fact that they think in terms of nations, and especially, especially the Federalist Party, Washington's party, uh, which wrote the Constitution and was responsible for the creating one nation out of the 13 yes. colonies. So they're clearly nationalist conservatives. I, I think they're great. I think they're terrific. I agree. Coming up. Restoration is possible, but it begins at home. It begins mm. with you personally. You can't think it's all going to happen at the political level. A few more minutes with Yerom Hazoni in the final segment of the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Don Crow. This week in the Christian Outlook, sponsored by the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, the March for Life marks 50 years in defense of human dignity. We'll talk with Jeannie Mancini, president of the organization. We've become the largest human rights demonstration worldwide. And Jim Daly of Focus on the Family. This is the battle. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's very active right now in the wombs of moms around the nation. We'll look at the battle over the curricula in our schools. We've gotten to a place in our culture, especially on the left, where only certain opinions are allowed. Including what really ought to be addressed at home. What sex education is, is nothing more than a codification of the sexual revolution. Be sure to join us and visit our website at ChristianOutlook.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Is it possible for a society whose traditions have grown so faint to revive them? Is it possible for individuals who have grown up in a liberal society obsessed with personal freedoms to become strong conservative men and women and to do what a conservative calling demands of them? I believe it's possible because I've seen it many, many times over the course of my life. Those words come from our guest, Jerome Hazoni, in the intro to his book, Conservatism, A Rediscovery. Let's pick up on his conversation with Charlie Kirk. The advance in the modernity can never be challenged. I mean, Woodrow Wilson really was one of the more forceful American presidents to say, look, we have the steam-powered engine, we have automatic machine guns, 
we're going to figure out how to fly across the nation. We don't need these founding fathers. There is this temptation to disregard the past in favor of the modern, or in our case, the postmodern. So what do we do? Look, in conservative thought, Anglo-American conservative thought, thought, there's this great, beautiful word, restoration. Restoration means that you see that your country's gone off course. And you, Edmund Burke says, you look back, you find the time, the, the most recent time where things were still pretty much on course. You, you need to put the thing back on the path that it was on back then. Now, that's obviously it's not, you know, it, you can't actually literally do it in every way, but things can be restored. I mean, the Supreme Court in Dobbs is restoring a piece of the earlier American Constitution. Yes. So there aren't many examples like that, recent examples, but that is an example. In my book, I write about the, the American Constitution. People don't necessarily remember that Washington and his party, when they wrote the Constitution, they're restorationists. There already was an American Constitution, right? The Articles of Confederation, and it was a catastrophe. And they said, Washington, during the war, started sending out letters saying, we need something like something like the British Constitution. And so 1787 is, is a restoration. It's bringing back a British tradition for how you create a strong central government, which the Americans thought they were going to do without. Look, restoration is possible, but it begins at home. It begins mm -hmm. with you personally. You can't think it's all going to happen at the political level. We could be Sodom or we could be Nineveh. Right. We Tell can... us the two. Everybody knows Sodom. Yes. Is, is, it was so evil that God thought it should be wiped off the face of the earth. And a Abraham argues, but in the end, God wipes it off the face of the earth. Uh, Nineveh is, uh, it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It's this utterly evil an empire that lived for destroying other peoples for 300 years. All they did was, was go to war to destroy other nations. Totally evil. And God wants Jonah to go there and tell them to repent. Jonah runs away. Why? Because he doesn't want to tell them to repent. He wants them to be punished because yes. they're evil. And God says, no, you leave that to me. You don't make these decisions. I make these decisions. The people of Nineveh repent. It's amazing. It's and, the most and, powerful and, and God forgives them. We don't know if America is Sdom and it's going to be destroyed, or if it's Nineveh. We don't know. We know how it looks to us, but we don't know what decision God's going to make. So we need to repent and we need to fight. Thank you for joining us for the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Catch up on earlier episodes at our website, townhallreview.com. Special thanks to executive producer Russell Schubin, producers David Pouchon, Michael Cook, Jacob Ordunia, Tim Gantner, Adam Ramsey, and of course, Dwayne Patterson. Let me say thanks once again to our sponsor, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for joining us for the Town Hall Review. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.